Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. I have Simon Clancy here, and I have Chris Coffin here. For those of you that were very concerned last week, sending me very cryptic emails, is everything okay? Did you guys have a falling out? No, we did not. You know, it's uh, we have schedules, and Chris likes to gallivant about the country this time of year. He did the same thing last year. And Simon likes to go to Russia every once in a while, or Japan, or, or you know, go to a football very game true. in Eastern Europe. But I had a falling we, out. I had a falling out oh, with oh, myself. Oh, really? With myself, that's it. Okay. But we're all here. Well, that was an interesting game yesterday, guys. I found myself extremely angry. And then just like that Alonzo Mourning meme that's been made very popular on Twitter where he's shaking his head in disbelief. And then all of a sudden he, he recognizes, you know, you know, this is not such a bad thing. That loss essentially put picking 10th, 11th, or 12th completely out to bed while it was in play as they were winning the game. Of course, I didn't like how the game ended, but. Who cares? That improves their, their draft position. Brian Flores blew a gasket. Uh, your thoughts on how it ended, Simon? I know you had some thoughts on that. Yeah, I thought it was – I did think it was pass interference. Um, I thought Needham actually played all right in the game um, and feels a little bit like a bit of a keeper for next season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think he had his arm around, uh, around the receiver's neck a little bit too early. It's a bang-bang play, but he's kind of – he is there too soon. I think if we were um, – if we were on the other end of it, I think we'd have been disappointed if that hadn't been called um, and it was us on offense. Uh, I thought they played pretty well. I think the red zone struggles were obvious. I thought Fitzpatrick missed a few throws, um, specifically to Gasicki. Obviously, it's more difficult when you lose Albert Wilson and you lose Devontae. Mm. But, you know, you saw guys like Isaiah Ford step up. You know, Matt Collins was pushing, uh, you know, was threatening deep. Uh, I thought Patrick Laird had a really good game and, and already looks like a sort of a one of those New England backs that they've had um, for, for God, the last 20 years, really. Um, underachieving little white fellas who can run the ball, can, you know, <laughs> catch the ball out of the backfield, make plays on special teams, have names like the intern, will just do it all, really. Um, so good for him. I thought the offensive line was hot trash. They're so um, scrappy. Oh, they're, yeah, he's, he's a little scrappy little fella. Scrappy gym little gym rats. Exactly, yeah. and, and look, the kicker had a tremendous game. It was unfortunate for him that Matt Hawk dropped, dropped the um, dropped uh, 
the the field goal, the the snap that would have you know potentially would have made his eighth kick of the game. You, you never know how these games work out. If that kick had gone through, who knows what happened? But you yeah. know, I thought they played hard. Um, and look, Win is it, I, I'm in an interesting situation now because the tour injuries kind of clouded everything. Wins seem a little more um, a, a little more joyous perhaps than they did you know six, seven, eight weeks ago. Um, because there's so much up in the air and, you, you know, it's clear that two isn't going to go one. Looks like the Giants will pick two at the moment and they've got their quarterback. It feels like Chase Young is going to be their pick. Um, uh, and the teams that we kind of worried a little bit about, Washington, feel like Dwayne Haskins has been two and two the last couple of weeks, almost pulled off a win in Lambeau yesterday without playing brilliantly. But it feels like, you know, they've, they're kind of, you know, he needs some skill, uh, especially, you know, to complement McLaurin. Um, so it really depends on, you know where Miami end up and and how that hip is, um, but I I don't feel as bad about cheering for wins as I did earlier on in the season. But I I thought they played well and look, it's, I said it on Twitter last night. I think it's an extraordinary coaching job that's being done by Flores um, and his team. They've been uh, pretty close in a few games, and you know I was adamant that this lot were going to be zero and sixteen, maybe one and fifteen, and I've I've taken the L on this, and and I think mainly because. You know the coaching job has been so good, given the XFL roster that's um, that he's working with. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought that three and thirteen, five and eleven was in play before they traded everybody. When they traded everybody, I said, "Yeah, zero and sixteen is absolutely right there in the cards." And I've been shocked by the way that they've played. They've been competitive basically since week six. They've been a legitimate football team since week six. Chris, your thoughts. Well, first off, I, I did think that was interference, and I, like Simon said, if we were on the other side of it, we'd be we'd be loud in our in our protests about about but, that. Yeah, but let me ask you this. let me ask you this, Chris, quickly, uh, and then you could get on with your point. Don't you think it's weird that they review this in slow motion? Like life doesn't happen in slow motion. Like interference is interference in real life, not in slow motion when you could, you know, look for every single nuance. That's you, you either, uh, yeah, that you either make it reviewable or you don't. I mean, they've yeah. made pass interference reviewable, so you review it. And and they have a set of standards that they and listen, they don't they don't turn they don't turn these over these pass interference calls. Somehow Miami has managed to get two of them turned over, which baffles me because the rest of the league can't get any of them turned over. Yeah, I think if it's the reason he didn't catch the ball and you interfered with him and grabbed him around the neck, turned his shoulder a little bit, then yeah, it's pass interference. So so first off, there's that. I, I do think that that wasn't as bad as some people perceived it. But the other thing is the season and the fact that they've won three games and maybe we'll win some more. We'll see. They've lost Devontae Parker now. Um, I think it's a lesson in not overreacting to things mm -hmm. because I mean, you know, prior to prior to the very end of the preseason, sort of the, when all the shenanigans really began, um, you know, we're, we were talking about how good coaches don't lose, you know, 14, 15 or 16 games. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and if, if Miami is hiring the, the people that they really think truly believe are going to lead them to the Super Bowl. Then that is at complete odds with the the sort of underpaying the roster, tanking thing, um, and and because they they sort of they sort of balance with each other a little bit. Yeah, you've got an underpaid, a really vastly underpaid roster, um, but at the same time, if you've hired all these coaches that have these Super Bowl rings and championship rings, which they do, 
um, then you're probably going to win some games. So, but then that got thrown for, so we were, we were kind of like consistent about that. And then it got really thrown for a loop because right on the eve of the season, they trade Laramie Tunsil. They turned over, or they, they also traded Kiko Alonso and, and cut several of the veteran veterans that got rid of several of the veterans we thought they might get rid of, but we didn't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the Minka Fitzpatrick thing starts taking hold. They turned over a qu- more than a quarter of the roster right before the season started and then started playing all those guys, which is like immediately, which is kind of ridiculous. You never see that happen. And so we're like, Wow, the tank really is in. They've done it. They've they've succeeded. They've gone further than anybody else has gone before. They're going to go 0 and 16. They're the worst team, one of the worst teams in league history. That's how they started the year. Um, but that was an overreaction. You know, that was an it was an overreaction to those those you know last bit, couple of moves. And the reality is, we're back to good coaches don't lose 14, 15, 16 games. And so that's Cam Cameron. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's but that's but that's the reality, right? I mean, we're we're saying they're they've won three games because they've done a really good job coaching, and 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 you see, actually, it's it's really mar- marvelous to try and watch these games and see how the success of these plays that are helping us win these games are helping to keep us competitive. The success of these plays really only keys on you know a couple of players succeeding, you know, like it doesn't have to be all 11 the way the dolphins are playing right now on offense and on defense. Fortunate as it is because we don't have good 11 players on any given play. Um, So it's, it's, it's funky to to watch, but yeah, they're, they're doing a good job coaching and they're competing and, um, and stuff like that. But clearly this was not a good team though, that played on Sunday. no. Dolphins, and clearly this was not a good team that they faced. The Jets. Yeah, the Jets and this was, was this was a battle of bumblers, and um, and that's that's what that's what I saw, and um, and and we'll see how it goes forward because now that they've lost Devontae Parker, that could be a a semi big deal because he had just kind of come into his own, and um, and we'll see if that that affects whether they can actually pull off wins against even the bad teams that they're facing like yeah, the Giants. Two, and, and now it's two wide receivers. It's Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson both oh, in yeah. concussion po- protocol. Yeah. There's only three yeah. weeks left. So you and they're going to shut them. They're going to shut them down, right? They figure they're not going to play anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if if two more wins and that's what we handicapped if they're Yeah. you know, if that's possible. Well, I thought now. I thought 3, two, two and a half to 3, you know, like yeah. I was and it's but, increasingly clear that the Patriots are going to absolutely need that last game because they're, they're yeah, dropping like right. a rock. They're going to they're gonna need true. that game to even keep pace for the three seed. So, you know, and speaking of the Patriots, pretty interesting story, Chris. Uh, you have the details of it because it's, it's even better the more you read on it. I, I don't have too many of the details. I just know that, like, you know, the Patriots are caught videotaping again, which is the greatest, <laughs> the greatest thing ever. Um, but from what I know, just to recap very briefly, um, the, the, the Bengals scouts were in the press box for the Bengals-Browns games. They were in the Browns stadium. Evidently, um, a, a Patriots videographer just, like, comes in to the press box with mm-hmm. his camera 
and just sets up his tripod right next to the Bengals <laughs> scouts and just starts filming the field. And the Bengals are like, the hell we play the Patriots next week what are you he's got these big like Patriots emblems all over the place it's like living inside of a Twitter meme I mean like like what is going on here and yeah. and so they reported it and the staffers came down and they they uh confiscated his SD card and um the Patriots claim that they got permission from the Browns to do this and that it was a a team sponsored puff piece called do your job and it's supposed to be following one of their pro scouts their advanced yeah. scouts and just like filming him and filming you know his job what he's doing but it's like they were filming the field clearly mm-hmm. uh, which is why the Bengals um, scouts were were upset or you know reported it in the first place so this is going to be this is going to be fun to <laughs> to look at because they did not get permission from the league to do that mm-hmm. and um, yeah, they, they, did did, they definitely did not get permission from the Bengals to do it so well, I, I can tell you this at at Hard Rock Stadium, at the farthest end of uh, press box, which is right on the end zone, there's a sign that says, you may not film or photograph the field during play, okay? And that press box is loaded with advanced scouts. There's guys there from the Chiefs, from the Jaguars, mm-hmm. from everywhere, from the Patriots. So it's commonplace to have them in and around the, the game on game day, you know? And you can pick up a lot by watching the entire field. But at practice, and the guy's wearing wearing his emblem, and then he decides to start filming practice, like that—that's oh. hilarious. Especially, well, it, it was during the game, but I it mean, was the game. It wasn't practice. Oh, it wasn't yeah. practice. It was. The- it was, no, the, no, game. It was the game. Yeah, it was the game on Sunday. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> and and you know they have there's so much tape of the game itself. You like why do you, even if you're filming for this puff piece, like why do you need? You can get the tape of the game if you need to splice that in. Uh huh. To to your puff piece about the pro scout, right? But also, wasn't he um wasn't he filming? Didn't he set up his camera on the sideline as well and start filming the Bengals coaches and their signals? Well, that that's what the Bengals uh, were worried about. But I I heard I didn't hear about him actually being on the sidelines. I heard that they, he had set up his pre, his tripod in the press box and was filming the field, which would include the Bengals sidelines and, and scouts and stuff like or coaches. Sorry. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's seriously, like, why would you, why would you do that if you're the team that got caught? <laughs> you know, that, like, team's you know, got, that team's got significantly bigger problems than filming uh, Bengals. I mean, and, and frankly, who needs to film the Bengals offense? I know. Anyway? I know, exactly. Like, Although I, will, I will tell you this. The way the Bengals offense is playing, they better start filming them because that Patriot, that Patriot defense has to basically pitch shutouts to win games now. They have to basically hand the ball over to their offense at the 20-yard line over and over yeah. just so they could score points to keep pace. And the offense is bad, isn't it? Oh, it's awful. Tom Brady – well, I'm going to say the obvious. Tom Brady is bad, and he's, he's just bad this year. He's- I, don't, I, I don't know if that's true. I don't think I, – I think those receivers generally yeah. without Julian Edelman – or uh, accepting Julian Edelman, he's, he's having a real problem. With yeah, but missing people. people by five, six yards is not a receiver problem. No, so no run game. Sony Michelle being injured. And yeah, yeah, the most fascinating thing has got to be what happens at the end of the season, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. he's a free agent and, uh, and it looks pretty obvious that the Patriots aren't going to sign him to a new contract. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Don Yee, his agents talked about the fact that, you know, 
he wants to be paid commensurate with the best quarterbacks in the NFL, given what he's done. And the Patriots, you know, with the greatest respect of the world, I think Bill Belichick's going to say, you know, that's just not happening. And it feels like there's a part of the way he's coming very, very soon. And, you know, where does he go if he goes anywhere? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's not going to want to go to a rebuilding team. He's going to want to go to a team that's got a lot of talent with a chance to win. But I just don't see any openings. So it could be that this could be the end. Yay. <laughs> Thank God. Well, like it, it'll be, it'll probably be like a, a bit like the Dan Marino end with mm. uh, with Miami. I mean, there's mm. that off season was, was sort of like we played our our team or our front office played. If the phone doesn't ring, it's me with him. Yeah. And um and you know he eventually was just like, what gives? Like I thought I'd be treated with a little bit more respect than this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, let's hope they get spunked wait. out of the playoffs sixty two seven as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. But and then Wayne Hayzenga steps in, right? And he says, if Dan Marino wants to be on our team, Dan Marino is on our team. And Although Dan Marino, it was reported, uh, got pretty upset and flirted with the idea of joining the Vikings. He that did. Obviously. He did. But um, but he decided he decided against that and decided, you know, just be weird to be in another team's uniform. I think he would have liked to actually play for Pittsburgh. Um, but uh, but yeah, he. I think that's so. We've always t- I've I've been talking a long time about the the Tom Brady leaving the Patriots this year, but I don't know if he's. I see him on another team. Like no, I, I it's either. just going to be a retirement, probably. Right? It could be. I think. Uh, but what I do see is Bill Belichick going out to buy a quarterback and trying to win one without Tom Brady as his drop the mic moment. Maybe a Matthew Stafford. Maybe a Derek Carr. You know, maybe there's a move. Good luck winning the Super Bowl with either of those two. But yeah, maybe right. Bel- Belichick has the ego to maybe try. <laughs> you know what I mean? Teddy Bridgewater or something like that. Something yeah. like that. Like the, he might have it because I don't think a rookie. I don't think. A, I don't think Bill. I don't think Bill Belichick is really into going to get a rookie and going through those pains at this age. You know what I mean? It'll be Ryan was, Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yeah. Or Ryan Tannehill. Or Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> oh man. You know what I mean? Something oh, like that. I, I do see something like that for for Bill Belichick. Did you see that yesterday? The free, that game yesterday makes him only the second quarterback in NFL history to have five straight games with passer rating over 130, 135. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right now Ryan Tannehill is at 118. Only him and Aaron Rodgers are the only two quarterbacks in history to have a five-game stretch or a four-game stretch, one of the two with a pass rating over 135. I like the bit of revenge that he got on Maurice Hurst. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh, no, that was what here. I saw it finally. That was brutal. <laughs> he like, looked- he really laid the wood on it. <laughs> and then he smacks Maurice Hurst. Remember, Maurice Hurst is the one that got him spiraling toward his injury mm-hmm. plague season last year. The first injury, which they wouldn't acknowledge before right. the, the real yeah. injury that, you know, the real bad one. Yeah, but they're showing what we kind of always knew. You give him a running game and you have him in play action, he's going to do things for you. Yeah. And that's all they do. They run the ball and they run play action, and he's super efficient in play action. And all of a sudden, those wide receivers are all pretty damn good. AJ Brown looks seriously good. Yes, he's really, really good. He's completed, he's completed like at least 77% of his passes. And it looks like. Uh, five of his eight games. <laughs> yeah, what was he six? Is he six and one or? Yeah, he's seven six games? and one. Yeah, did it, did good for him. He yeah. has started seven games. 
and it's all Big game this weekend. It's all right in front of yeah. them. They play Houston twice, yeah. and they have identical records with the Houston Texans. So, you want the well, I, division? I, Go I beat Houston. Keep twice. going. Keep going, Tannehill. Keep going because we have the Houston pick. <laughs> yeah. There's not that. There's not that many teams that are hotter than the, the Titans are at the moment in terms of mm-hmm. you know just winning. Yeah, um, and that's a. That's a ba- that's a Bill Belichick spinoff right there for everybody that says that Mike the Belichick Vrabel, yeah. tree is is crap and you know that's Mike Vrabel. Yeah. So, yeah, who would ever thought that Tannehill, when he doesn't score thirty points, is a disappointment? Because he's scored thirty points, I think, five straight games already. Yeah, they're the highest scoring team in the league over the past since he since he came in. Yes, he is, and uh, the top ra- passer rated team, and they have the most touchdowns also, and they have the second leading rusher in the NFL. Is it- is it bittersweet for you boys? I, you know what? I'm kind of enjoying it. You know, yeah, just mostly bitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kind of enjoying it. I understand it was time to go. It was just time to go. You know, we weren't going to hold on to him forever. We got a fifth round pick for him. He's a tearing fourth up the round pick, dude. We got a fourth round, fourth round pick. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah fourth yeah. round pick. Plus, we had to eat like we had to chew up seven chew. million dollars. Yeah. I mean, that's. For for a guy that's that's on his way, I mean, if he plays for the last three games the way he's played in these other games, let's be honest, he is a candidate for MVP. Yes, he uh, is. in the league, right? Mm. I mean, so so a quarterback, I, take off take off the Homer, you know, the the Miami Dolphins fan, you know, pretend you're a fan of the Bills and you just relish in the Dolphins uh, sucking and some something like that you're watching a team that just traded an MVP quarterback to another team in the AFC for a fourth round pick while having to eat $7 million. There's nothing good there. There's nothing, there's no sweet in there. I mean, I I'm happy for Ryan Tannehill too. I mean, I, I get that, but there's no sweet there. There's that's just bitter. That's like watching Evan Mathis be on our roster for you know part of a year and then go off and then become an all pro for like six straight years would it bother you reported. would it bother on, you if, if he went to the playoffs and beat new england in new england no i'd love it okay no well, that's different i would enjoy I'd the hell it. out of that okay i'd enjoy that, that that's, i'd love it and we, we all the, can enjoy that reports of the weekend that he's going to get a fairly significant deal from the titans yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. I, I could good for him. I can't, help think, I can't help but think they're falling for it. That's there's something in the back of my. I can't help but think that. Like they're, they're eating fall, the yeah, cheese. But Chris, you got to think about it this way, okay? They're either falling for it or they're signing a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, but Nick Foles did this for a year too. Yes, right? he did. Yes, he did. And, and now, that's the now that's you the know, part way into the year, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Kirk Cousins is doing it this year. By the way, yeah. Well, they, they the Jags signed him for a big contract based on past success and and spurts, right? These spurts that Nick Foles has had, mm-hmm. and now they're already like they're back to Minshew mania. They're like, nah, Foles, just just go away. They, the the fascinating him. thing is that he is looks significantly. I mean, I've seen most of the last five games. Mm-hmm. He looks significantly better in the pocket. He is accurate to a f- absolute fault at all three levels short mm-hmm. intermediate and deep most of all everything he puts up just seems to land he, he, he couldn't place it better into people's hands than he, yeah. than he is doing it he's, he's building up a great relationship with brown and and with davis and he's got you know it's a good offensive line and derrick henry you know i think he's had five straight hundred yard games as well so you know 
the, the offense is really clicking. He, he, we have always known that he's super accurate, though, right? Mm. I mean, yeah, that's, for sure. Yeah, that that's something that you know you can never you could get down on him all you want, but you cannot criticize his consistent the consistency with the way he throws the ball, the accuracy because he gets it there. He gets it and where he wants strength, it to yeah, go. Absolutely. And the arm strength. You, you kind of feel a little bit like this is what was happening in the build-up to that Calais-Campbell knee injury right. in that game. Yes, you kind exactly. of feel like the arc looks a bit the same. This was the guy that we felt like he was developing into when he got injured on that, you know, when we had that great run that ended up in the playoffs. This is the quarterback that we felt didn't have the operation, had the knee injury, struggled mm-hmm. to come back, struggled with everything last year. Sure. And now two years, what was it, two years on from the, 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 the injury and he's back and he looks phenomenal i mean he looks fantastic and and you also wonder i mean if it if a big part of the and the problem what was the problem then if he really was this sort of mvp class quarterback you know what was the problem here and you have to look at it and be like gase really was that much of a problem. Gase, yeah yeah i mean yeah. 2016 it was pretty good and then sort of as adam gase you know devolved into himself a little bit even more um it just and worse and worse let's be a little bit more poetic as he deteriorated into madness yeah i mean well and and chemical induced madness maybe but um yeah i think that uh i think that it it was it was probably adam gase that was a big problem for him and now maybe we're seeing something different but also i mean there's just part of me that's like you watch you're going to sign him a big deal the next year. It's going to be, there's going to be something going on with your team and it's just not clicking again. And, you know, I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I'm happy for him. Yeah. The bottom should fall out eventually. Yeah. All right. Well, we had a championship weekend and all these quarterbacks, you know, they, they had their final adi- auditions before the bowl games that nobody really cares about. And of course the national championship series. What did you see, Simon, that even caught your eye? Because to be honest with you, I was just thoroughly disappointed with everybody. Save Joe Burrow, who's going to win the Heisman, and he's going to be the, the first overall pick. So he doesn't really figure in our conversation. I, I, think the, I think the most impressive thing, um, and I think um, the team that everybody's sleeping on is Clemson. Um, I mm. think that Trevor Lawrence has not thrown an interception since the first or second week of October in the first quarter against Louisville. Um, he is performing at a level significantly better now than he was um, when he won the national championship last year. Um, and I would, I, I think that team is, I mean, they are I think the number five ranked team in defense in the nation. I think, I think the number one in overall defense. I think they're five against the run, three against the pass. And whilst they don't have the, the caliber of players that, um, you know, the individuals, Cleveland Ferrell and Wilkins and Trayvon Mullen and, uh, and Dexter Lawrence, I think they have a better team, a better unit, led obviously by Isaiah Simmons, who won the Buckers in the weekend, but with, you know, AJ Terrell and Xavier Thomas and those guys and, and Kayvon Wallace and Tanner Muse. Uh, and you just look at that skill position, you know, first of all, you look at the offensive line with Savinka at centre and John Simpson, a really good left guard. Mm. You know, they're one of the best offensive lines in the country. But, you know, T Higgins, phenomenal game against Virginia. Justin Ross, we all know how good he is. You know, you go down, DeAndre Overton, Amari Rogers, they got the, the, the two freshmen, Frank, uh, Frank, um, Ladson Jr. and the other kid whose name escapes me, Travis Etienne. 
Mm. I mean, that team's going to be really, really hard to beat. And, you, look, you know, you look at a team like Ohio State, when have they really, really been in trouble? They were a little bit in trouble, down 14 nothing against Wisconsin, but came back on the fake punt and that kind of got them back in the game. But that was early. I mean, that was, you know, it wasn't, they weren't in a fourth quarter battle. They've not, you know, that Clemson team is battle tested, especially with Lawrence. I mean, Lawrence is the best pure passing quarterback in college football. I, I, I don't, for me, I don't have any doubt of that. I thought Burrow played brilliantly for LSU. But Georgia were awful. Um, so many drop passes, but I thought Jake Fromm didn't have a very good game. Defensively, they didn't play very well. Obviously, the injury to DeAndre I Swift was huge. I think you're being kind. Mm-hmm. I think Jake Fromm looked incompetent. He didn't look like a... I, I, I think he stays in school. I would be very surprised if he comes out. Now. I think he stays in school, but that's 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 strong language to use. I I mean, for the beginning of the game, he, he kicks off the beginning of the game with dimes dropping all over the place to the receivers that they can't catch any of them. And... And then from there, it just all kind of snowballed. And, yeah. I, you know, hey, everybody's, it, everybody's yeah. allowed to have an okay to bad game every now and then. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I think he struggled a little bit down the stretch. He did. Um, it got worse. Um, yeah. It started out good for him, but it wasn't yeah. good on the field. It didn't, uh, go, it didn't translate uh, into points. I thought Fields played very well. And, I, you know, I think Oklahoma were lucky. And it really, it's three teams plus Oklahoma. You know, and actually, what was hilariously, what was biblically bad about that team last year was that defense. Now, actually, I think they're the 22nd. I think they've jumped like 82 places in the rankings. Yeah. Um, the, the defensive coordinator yeah. they got from Ohio State is doing, has done a great job. Kenneth Murray is a great player. Gallimore, the defensive tackle, is a really good player. And that actually looks like the strength of the team because the last couple of weeks, they've really struggled to move the ball offensively. Jalen Hurts has become a turnover machine. He fumbled, you know, interceptions. You know, Baylor were, um, you know, Baylor really shut them down completely. They're really struggling to to run the ball. Um, Trey Sermon has barely played the last few weeks. Obviously, C.D. Lamb is still there, but I, I think LSU will shut down, will shut Oklahoma down, and I wouldn't be surprised if Clemson beat, um, if Clemson beat Ohio State uh, in the Fiesta Bowl, setting up a. Uh, Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence battle for the for the national championship, but I think Clemson are a team that you should really be fearing. I think that's a a very smart team with a superstar quarterback. Do we know the first round matchups? Yeah, it's um, yes. it's um, LSU was, against Oklahoma and Ohio uh, State against Clemson. Yeah, yeah, and oddly enough, Clemson is the three seed. Yeah, I mean the the question about Clemson is who's the, who have they beaten this season? They, they they actually haven't beaten a team that ended yeah, up in the top twenty five, apart from Virginia, the, who are twenty fourth. Yeah, I thought the North Carolina had a good football team. They, they proved me wrong. They're they're, they're not very yeah. good. They and had the same game Clemson last year against Syracuse. Don't, don't you forget? Don't remember they had the game against Syracuse last year where they won right at the end of the game on the when Lawrence got knocked out of the game and the the backup came in and uh, and scored the touchdown and the two point conversion. They won the game. It was the same thing in Chapel Hill against North Carolina. They had the blip. And then since then, they've just been blowing teams away. I mean, 62-17 against Virginia. I mean, that was not a contest at all. Um, and they just looked absolutely dominant. I would be very... If I was Ryan Day and Ohio State, I'd be very fearful of what's to come. But that, that, I mean, what a matchup that's going to be. T Higgins against... T Higgins and Justin Ross against Jeff Okuda and Sean Wade and Damon Arnett. And, you know, that's going to be a hell of a, a hell of a game. You know, I do wonder about... So, I, listen, I, I'm... I, this I I recognize LSU is probably going to the championship and and it's going to be LSU probably Clemson maybe I mean, um, but that first matchup with Oklahoma, 
I go back to the Texas game that LSU had where Texas actually got a lot done on offense. Um, and, and it makes me wonder, like, because the, the way that Oklahoma offense works is they haven't been playing well lately, but when they get on and they get on a roll, they really steamroll, right? I mean, that's, yes. that's the way they work. And, yeah, and Lincoln you know, Riley, Dave Aranda Lincoln Riley has a snack, which uh, I think all the great coordinators have it also, where you could tell that they're running the, like the same five plays and a couple of variations off of those same five plays, but you still mm-hmm. can't stop them. You know what yeah. I mean? But, I mean, and Dave Aranda, um, you know, his defense faced in Texas, and, you know, Texas was able to get things done, and that's, you know. They've given up 35 points four times this season. Um, you know, and they gave up, what was it, 620-odd yards against Ole Miss? I mean, that that, that freshman quarterback had 220 yards rushing. Yeah, four oh, yeah, absolutely. And that the, the zone read, that, that really killed. You know, they've had their moments where they've really been able to, not been able to shut down. I mean, you know, Sam Ellinger threw for 400 yards and yeah. four touchdowns, four touchdowns, zero interceptions against them. And he also put on 60 yards rushing with another touchdown. So, yeah, five touchdowns Sam Ellinger did. And it's fascinating when you look at, you know, Vincent and Delpit and safety, Vincent so quick, Delpit mm-hmm. obviously start. And then Fulton and, and Stingley, who had another two, another two fantastic picks against Georgia you know, just to cement his incredible season. But they're still giving up yardage in the air. And like I said, you know, Jalen Hurst is the kind of quarterback that could hurt them if they can get that zone read going. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they have struggled at times with, you know, that kind of option quarterback look with the, the RPOs and the and, and those reads that Hurst does so well. You just hope that he doesn't take so many hits. I mean, he just takes just way too many hits for a quarterback. Yeah. Whenever I hear that, you know, Oklahoma, it's sort of like three teams plus Oklahoma lucky to be here. I always think of that, too, because like it's like, yeah, even though I I recognize that Oklahoma is kind of a weak fourth one to add into here. But they're also a team that could really sneak up on one of these teams, I think. And just, you know, before you know it, you've lost the game because they just laid on 53 points on you or something like that. Um, It's it's going to be an interesting matchup. I I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good test for Joe Burrow to keep that uh, that offense high octane the way they have been um, LSU and and keep it keep it up even if you know Oklahoma does start to get on a roll like Joe if they Burrow do get on have, a roll. By the way, Joe Burrow did have one of the plays of the year in that game against Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> that was insane. Where he Almost. escaped two sacks, then rolled up to the right, then throws it back across his body, completes it, and it's a race to the end zone. So, yeah, no, I agree with both of you. I think I think Clemson is the best team out of the four, I think. Uh, and basically because of their experience being there bef- before. And I would favor them right now, which is strange that they're the three seed. I don't, I don't get that. Like, you know, But, you know, I guess they go with that strength of schedule and they haven't beaten anybody. So Yeah, I mean, you look at who LSU have beaten They're peaking at well. the right time. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to argue with who LSU have beaten, you know. Oh, yeah. Texas, Alabama, Florida, Auburn, Texas A&M, mm-hmm. Georgia. You know, they, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty unmatched. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, Dabo hasn't lost a game since the end of the 2017 season. No. And Trevor, Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence equally hasn't lost a game since the end of the 2017 season when he got knocked out by Blessed Trinity in the, um, in the semifinals of the Georgia State Championship. So that's these, do, these, these dudes do not recognize losing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right, Chris, as Simon has to jet because it's getting kind of late where he's at, 
on Friday night, Oregon played Utah for the Pac-12 championship, and Justin Herbert, front and center, another high-profile game. His team gets it done. So you got to say that he got it done. But you saw some red flags, as so did I. What did you see on that game Friday night? Well, I, the, it's the usual stuff for Justin Herbert. Um, you know, his success is streaky and inconsistent, and I think it's in, in part because he consistently fails at some aspect of the game on not every play but most plays. And you, you kind of – as you stack it all up, there's so many things that a quarterback has to do completely perfectly on a, on a play to execute it well from a ball placement standpoint and timing and um, and – you know, execution of the the action in the backfield and pre-snap, setting protections. I mean, just basically everything. And you ask for perfection from these guys, and there's so many different ways that you can fail. And um, he manages to show something, even if the play is ultimately successful, he manages to show something that kind of flags you uh, – on most plays. And what that means is that the success ends up being streaky and inconsistent. So he was very successful early on in that game. And then the second half, he started to not be successful. And, um, and that's, that's what you noticed. And, and so I, but all, overall, let's give him some credit. He, he finished up, he finished up the year with a good record. Um, a good passing record. He had like a 160 or nearly a 160 NCAA passer rating. Um, he he did a good job overall, I, I think, for the year, and he had the year that he needed to have. He finished in the top, you know, 15 of um, of passer ratings for the year, and uh, and he did a good job. But I still continue to have nitpicks with him, and I wonder about him as a top pick. Yeah, and now his team moves on to the Rose Bowl, but uh, we don't know who they'll play. They'll play, I guess, Wisconsin because is that what's going to happen? Yeah, they're playing Wisconsin in the Rose mm-hmm. in, in the Rose Bowl. So I guess that's that's a game that we're going to want to watch because Wisconsin seems to play really well in all these bowl games. They have a streak mm-hmm. going on. I think they've won five in a row. So I guess we want to see them play again there, but uh, – the big red flag for me was that third quarter as Utah came thundering back with 15 consecutive points. He never really did anything to stem the tide. And at one point he was 0 for 8 throwing the football. And mm-hmm. a co- there was a couple of three and outs in there too. And you were you were pointing out that Utah does have a pretty good defense. But, mm-hmm. you know, make a play, man. You're the, you're the superstar quarterback. You know, make a throw that extends a drive and stops the bleeding. Now, evidently, they didn't really need it because they scored two touchdowns in the fourth well, quarter yeah. put the game away. That's the other thing. I mean, if you look at what happened in the game. Yes. So, yeah, he was a bad, it was a bad third quarter, but he did manage to put together two drives in the fourth quarter that iced the game. Mm-hmm. So, you got to give him credit for that. But, yeah, I, I do want to see him play, play well against Wisconsin. I question know. his accuracy. I mean, I, it, yeah. he's – He's not an accurate quarterback. He doesn't have very good aim, has, in my opinion. I think opinion. he has great ideas when he's playing. He just doesn't have the skill to execute those ideas. Well, I mean, he completes – so he completes a lot of passes, and he's got, yeah. he's got like something like a 66% completion, or I forget what it is exactly. But, um, but it, it's not – I mean, listen, Tim Tebow had the same completion percentage when he was playing at Florida. He was not an accurate quarterback. No. I, 
Justin Herbert, and there was a stat that um, that was pulled up by uh, Sports Info Solutions, I believe, um, not too long ago, that uh, Justin Herbert, the mo- the highest share of his of com- has the highest share of completions that are due to screens that are on screens of any of the quarterbacks out there. It's like over 30% of his completions. And that's what I keep seeing in these games. You know, when I see so, oh, he led this team, he led this team back and he showed great poise and stuff like that. I was like, he completed screens, man. And and the screens went, the the screens went for touchdowns. There are other good throws. And trust me, this guy's got a beautiful arm. Yes, and he's he got a great, you know, he's, he's big, he's strong, he can run. I mean, he's everything that you want that way. And he's supposed to be, you know, a very intelligent guy. I think some people kind of question whether he's a football, you know, football manic um, kind of asset to a franchise. But you know, I, I try I try to be easy on guys that way. Just not just don't be don't be a criminal. <laughs> you know, don't be yeah. um, don't be psychotic in some way. Don't be uh, don't be fat. <laughs> you know, and and threatening to threatening to get big and out of shape and. Um, and yeah, I mean, just, I look, I, I, and I think that's a debate for another time because you know he is coming out, so I think we're oh, gonna yeah, have to debate it because he's gonna stare us right in the face where we're gonna yes, be picking, yes, uh, he is, four, between fourth and seventh. And we're gonna have this so debate. I for think we months. have to debate this. Do we do we want the big personality like a Tua who shows hmm. up at a frat party and decides to start throwing the die, okay, and walks around town in his pajamas? <laughs> All right. Mm. And you watch him in a, in a, you know, he looks like the type of guy and I'm pretty sure he doesn't drink. He's kind of religious, but he looks like the kind of guy that you're like, you know what? I want to go to a bar with this guy and raise some hell. Cause he has the big smile. He can talk in an interview, you know? Uh, and then you move on and you have uh, Russell Wilson, who's kind of a nerd, but you see, he's kind of, he, he's kind of gregarious and Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, you know, has mm-hmm. a supermodel wife. We kind of see a pattern. Lamar Jackson is the king of the press conference now. So we're kind of seeing a pattern of these guys that are these big personalities. That become yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think we see patterns when we want to see patterns. I think that really sure. there's, there are these guys that are all cut from different cloths. They all act different ways. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was thrown out of the process by the San Francisco 49ers because Mike Nolan thought he came off like a jerk and he's never going to be coachable. Right. I mean, so, so, I mean, that's, but that's the way it goes. Like, like they're all, they're all different personalities. They're all cut from different cloths. And, and that's why I try to be forgiving. Like there's no one way that they're, that they're, they're built. There are some guys that are, I mean, look at the success. We're just went on and on waxing poetic about how Tannehill is doing it as an MVP in, in Tennessee this year. Well, what what personality did he did he have? Did he have a big personality? Did he have a? No, he was actually you know, pretty quiet. He was a quiet no. Guy. He's a very quiet. He's very private too. Um, you know, I think that they're all they're all built different, and that's why I try to be forgiving. It's like you know, listen, just don't be don't be a psycho, and don't be um, mm-hmm. don't be lazy. You cannot be lazy at that position. Just absolutely not. Um, you can't be. You can't have an eating problem. You can't because we've seen guys that just you know can't keep themselves in shape um and then uh and then don't be a criminal <laughs> you know yeah so that's it i'm fine and to be fair some of that is also for show because you know drew Brees is known to be pretty private and he's also boisterous patrick yep. mahomes had an absolute shit fit on the sideline on friday 
And after mm-hmm. he blew a gasket and screamed for about 15 minutes, his offense produced three points the rest of the half. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, right. I mean, you know, like what help did that do? You know what I mean? You I think like they're all, you know what I mean? I think they're all different. And I do think that there can be positives when you see a guy that's just, you know, this natural born leader and stuff like that. I don't want to take anything away from that, but I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm not going to knock a guy out of the process because, you know, I hear I hear some weird things about him. As long as as long as he's not going to be sending up major red flags that way, it's it's really just about the field for him. And is he is he accurate enough? Because the ball placement on him consistently comes off wrong shoulder, low, high, you know, stuff like that. And then he misses. Like the qual, there's there's missing, and then there's missing, right? You know, when yes. when you miss, you don't you don't want to be missing by like ten yards or something like that, or throwing it way out of bounds or something you know that that shows that there's an aim problem and um and i think that he does if you look at the the comparison between he and jacob eason it's actually really interesting because jacob eason to me even though he has a lower completion percentage is an unqualified more accurate passer than uh yes. than justin herbert is absolutely 1000 percent more more accurate passer um that doesn't mean he's going to be a better quarterback i don't know that i don't know what the you know, the, how hard he works and the makeup and the stuff that we were just talking about. I don't know if he's, um, if he can avoid pressure, if he's got the same athleticism, you know, the same knack that these guys, they all have some kind of special it factor, something that's more dangerous for them than just about anybody else. And, and that's how they hurt defenses. Um, we'll see if Jacob Beeson has that too. And he'll, he'll go through the sandblaster if and when he comes out. But um, Justin Herbert, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not there, but I will say this. I mean, Drew Locke is lightening up, right? Absolutely. And I was, so, I was about to bring him up, you know, that's a vote in favor of Justin Herbert to me. <laughs> Do you think it's a vote for Justin Herbert or a vote Absolutely. for Jacob Beeson? For Jacob Beeson? They were like, the they were like quarterback the same, that does stupid like things. same person last year. They were the same person. In, in, in college football, they although like Drew Locke likes to talk, and if you hey. saw his uh, if you saw his uh, his celebration yesterday, yesterday he was laser blasting Houston Texans. Okay, yeah. on the field. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, so and he was doing. Well, they have the uh, same arm. They have the same athleticism. They have the same yeah. ability to run RPOs. Although they do have different personalities. Uh, they have no. Do they? I mean, they have a little bit different personality, but there is definitely there is definitely always questions about how much Drew Locke cares about it. Yeah, and there have there have been consistent questions about how much Drew Locke cares about it and whether he's he's got it too much. Then why do you think he was always compared to Jay Cutler? Mm-hmm. You know, and and so yeah, I think and, and I think those same questions come out about Justin Herbert as well. There's no question about Herbert's intelligence level. Right. I mean, he's known as kind of a brainy guy. Um, I don't know whether is, is that real or is that perceived? I mean, with Josh Rosen, I always kind of felt like that braininess was more perception than reality. Um, but yeah, with he has because he has maturity, you know, what I mean? yeah, right. So because he can I, I have think a conversation. He can have a conversation. Free. He thinks, you know, he's he's got a worldview. That's yeah. not the same thing as intelligence. No. Um, but I, I think that uh, I think that Justin Herbert is known as a brainy guy to to his team. And uh, he's grown into being a leader with them. It, it was hard going for him to do that. Um, and I, Simon brings that up a lot. But yeah, he and Drew Locke are very similar and drew lock was the same way it was it was you know play after play after play well yeah the play was successful but 
you know, where was your ball placement on that? Where was your timing, mm-hmm. timing on that one? Did you, why did you miss this guy? Or why did you, you know, miss this opening over here? Why did, you know, it was, it was just constantly, there's something. It's, and even if the play is successful, you saw the trait, it was there. But he's, yeah. he's coming to the, uh, the NFL. He sat for a while. He got injured. Um, they definitely slow walked him through, through this process. They didn't try and throw him out there right away. And he's coming out there. He's, he's the talent will out uh, the talent yes. is, you know, and that's what's showing right and now. If you're and, reading, so and if you're reading some of the, the Bronco beat writers, they're writing yeah. things today. Like John Elway did it. He found yeah. the quarterback of the future. Exactly. Exactly. So that's a vote in favor of Herbert. Yeah. And, and if you watch that game against the Texans, he eviscerated the Houston mm-hmm. Texans. And trust mm-hmm. me, it's hard to outshine Deshaun Watson. Well, Drew Luck did. <laughs> okay. That's also a vote in favor of Jordan Love. Um, yes, it is. Really. Absolutely. So, I, think, we'll I think Drew Locke is more Jordan Love than Justin Herbert. He could be. That's, that could be fair. Because they I, both I have the big little... arm and they both are capable of doing yeah. the dumbest things. Imagine. Right. No, that's, that's true. That's fair. Because that's I what I always that's... saw from Drew Locke. What I always saw from Drew Locke was three throws that would make me say, this guy's a first rounder. And then the fourth throw, I would say, okay, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want no. this guy nowhere near my team. But There's yeah, a little bit of a – there's a little bit of a gunslingerness that, um, that, that was part of Drew, Drew Locke's game that is the one thing that I wouldn't compare to Herbert probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, it is more like – like you said, it is more like a Jordan Love. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a vote in favor. I think it's a fa- vote in favor of both Love and Herbert. Um, to see the guy with the big talent come out after after having been coached coached up for a little bit come out and and be hot um, in the NFL that's a that's a vote in favor of talent but on the flip side of the coin we've got you know the the Gardner Minshews of the world and, or of the NFL and you know some other guys that don't have great arm talent that are also having a moment. <laughs> yes. So, so what, you know, what do you take from that? What do you take? Yeah, from, and if you watched, from... and if you watched Jacksonville, uh, the worst mistake they ever made was after they lost those two games, benching Minshew for Nick Foles. Right. They've gone absolutely backwards. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. They've and gotten killed those two games that Daniel Jones has had a few it. moments this year too. And, yeah, and he doesn't have a, the big arm as we talked about. And uh, so, so what do you, what do you take from that? I don't know. Um, but there's there's votes in favor of all these guys. What I take from it is that, I mean, first off, Jake Fromm is going back to school. Yes. Jordan Love, rumors a swirl about Jordan Love just graduate transfer. He's a graduate. He's gonna, mm-hmm. He can transfer without taking a year off. And now he might. he's got so much talent, he might have his pick. I mean, uh, Oklahoma might have yeah. um, their – they might, they might be okay with that rattler guy, but um, who knows, you know, at the same time uh, there there's talk about him possibly going to Texas tech. I mean, could you imagine him going into LSU and taking over for uh, Joe Burrow? Yes. Um, you know, that that's what makes just, the most sense to me. He's got it. He's got his, he's got his pick. Right. So, uh, so he could go back to school and, you know, look to have a good year and then uh, come out in 2021. I'm, the demand, if the supply is there, the demand is going to be there. So I, I wouldn't worry about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields too much if you're, if you're Jordan Love because, first off, you have the talent to compete with those guys. And second, if there are five first-round quality quarterbacks, you know, in a draft, 
they will all go in the first round. The teams with the need will show up all of a sudden. And especially Absolutely. there's the replacement cycle in this NFL is it's got to begin because we we got Big Ben, you got Tom Brady, you got Phil Rivers, you got Drew Brees. These guys are ancient. Um, Aaron Rodgers is not getting any younger. Um, so and if, there, don't look in your rearview mirror, uh, Dolphin fans. But the Detroit Lions are hard charging for your pick. Yeah, I mean that's so. I, I think that the um, you know we'll see what happens with the Detroit Lions. But yeah, the 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 demand springs up if the if the quarterback. So all these quarterbacks like, oh, I would come. People say I would come out in 2020 because you don't want to be in in the 2021 draft with Trevor Lawrence and all them. It's like, mm-hmm. listen, if if you're one of those guys, you're gonna go in the first round. The demand is gonna is gonna happen all of a sudden because all these guys are gonna get retired uh, forcibly, and and so that's what you'll see in 2021. But I think I think Jay Fromm's going back in. I think Jordan Love. I think I would say fifty-fifty to maybe even more of a chance that he goes back and transfers. Um, and then, of course, to Atunga Vialoa, that's really up in the air because he could stay in school and either take not play um, and just kind of be a player coach, or maybe he does play and just just plays enough to show that he's back from the hip injury. And then all of a sudden he's got a lot more money in his pocket. So, um, so, you know, watch out all of our best laid plans. The Miami dolphins are best laid plans <laughs> yes. at quarterback yes. just evaporate. And because Joe Burrow is clearly not an option either. No. So what do you do? Like a lot. What do you do? You put the poll out there today. You put the poll out there and you're like Matthew Stafford or Derek Carr or well, Matthew um, Stafford is a runaway winner in that poll. Well, yeah, but I, mean, I think you put Tannehill in there, even though we know that's not happening. Tom Brady, Tom <laughs> well, Brady. I mean, is that really going to happen? Is Tom Brady going to put on a different uniform and, and it well, it's be the appeal. Dolphins it's the appeal. uniform? It's the appeal. Tom Brady knows the staff. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of money. I can yeah. see the scenario where Tom Brady feels completely disrespected. Eyeballs the Dolphins and says, wait a minute. I have to beat the Bills and the Jets. And then I got to beat the Patriots one out of two times to have a, mm-hmm. a realistic shot at a real fuck you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To Bill Belichick, sign me up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I just I don't could see it. that. I could see that happening. I don't see. I don't think he goes somewhere. I don't think he goes somewhere to be a cellar dweller. And the Dolphins are one of the worst teams in the league. And um, and no matter how much money they have. You don't you don't get you don't fix everything in one offseason just because you got some money in picks and um, and especially this staff with this philosophy they don't do that okay they don't go out there and just buy 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 you know a bunch of high priced stuff that's not them that's the thing that people keep missing when they're like oh we got a, we got a huge budget we got a bunch of money and stuff like that no that's not them it's just not their makeup so I'd be very surprised if they do that I don't. Is Tom Brady really going to come come here to do that? I do not think so. I think there's there's not much of a chance. If anything, maybe they'll try and revisit the Teddy Bridgewater thing, um, and, and see you know if they can make that happen. Um, but you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. I brought up Marcus Mariota's because it's like, well, that may be what you're faced with. <laughs> I, I just don't want the guy that Ryan Tannehill 
uh, benched. Okay. Yeah. I mean, sometimes magic happens and you know, <laughs> just, you can't explain it, but, um, but yeah, the winner of that trade, uh, the winner of that poll is a runaway. It's Matt. Stafford yeah. It's, with 46%. it's a Stafford, but you have to ask this. I asked this question. Listen, and that poll already has 1300 votes in three hours. So Matt, Patricia, Matt, Patricia and Brian Flora is very similar cut from the same cloth. Yes. Right. So Matt Patricia is going to decide that Matthew Stafford is not his guy. Mm-hmm. And Brian Flores is going to decide that Matthew Stafford is his guy. Why is that? Why is Matt Patricia going to say, going to dump Stafford in favor of whichever quarterbacks the are left to the draft? for it is his salary, which is not crazy. His salary is only twenty. His salary is only twenty-one million. So that's a right. f- vote in favor of. Right. I mean, this is two-sided. De- Detroit's looking right. at that and they're like, "Yeah, we'll keep that." Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. The votes in favor are his salary, which is which are reasonable, and the way he was playing this year when he got hurt. Uh, he mm-hmm. was having an MVP type season when he got hurt. So. So why would why would Patricia get rid of him? Exactly. That's what you know. I struggle with that. Well. If he does decide to get rid of him, more like I could, because I could see him decide to get rid of him. But if he does decide to get rid of him, why on the flip side does Brian Flores go ahead and say, "Yeah, I want, I want him," even though Matt Patricia doesn't? You know what? Uh, you know what I mean? Matt Patricia's going to say, "I'm going to get rid of him. I'm going to get rid of him, and I'm going to go for." I don't know who's going to be left at the quarterback in this draft at this point, Jacob Eason or something like that. Mm. Um, so he's going to say, that's my guy. And Herbert or Herbert, if that's, they're going to be picking right behind us. Or, or Herbert. Okay, so let's say it's Herbert. So, so Matt Patricia says, Matthew Stafford's not my guy, Justin Herbert is. And Brian Flores, who has enough draft position to get Justin Herbert if he wants, says, no, I don't want Justin Herbert. I want Matthew Stafford. I don't get that. That's what I don't get. Mm-hmm. Why, why do they end up on opposite sides of that? Yeah. Because they, they don't have, I mean, they're very similar. I think they're very similar. They're, they're both out of the same, you know, team structure and the same philosophies and stuff like that. So I have a hard time trying to seeing them on opposite sides of that trade. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, but you know, it's, you know, it's near the off season. So we got to make polls and this one's yeah, right. evidently pretty popular. It's going to get a ton of votes. <laughs> You know, I love I love that I threw Ryan Tannehill in there. Ryan Tannehill has twenty three percent of the vote right now, <laughs> which is all kinds of ridiculous. That's fun. That's Can you fun. imagine this fan base if, they, if Ryan Tannehill came in for a free agent visit? Oh my god, <laughs> be ridiculous. And you know what's what's funny about that is like Ryan Tannehill would be among if you think about kind of philosophically what personality I guess. Uh, yes. Brian Flores wants on his quarterback. Um, it's not going to be like a Jameis Winston. Uh, it's it's more like a Ryan Tannehill, mm-hmm. and so Ryan Tannehill would be a, would be a candidate if they weren't the ones that <laughs> if they weren't the ones that just traded him for a fourth round pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I'm that's pretty done. sure that I'm pretty sure that's that Ryan done. Tannehill, uh, like in you know deep down, he would love to be back here because he loves living in South Florida. Mm-hmm. But I think his pride is not going to allow him. Besides, nice. he's going to sit down with, you know, the brass in Tennessee, and they're going to give him a big, fat contract, and he gets to play over there, mm-hmm. you know? And that's not too far from his home in Fort Lauderdale. You know, he, could live, he could live in Tennessee for a couple of months out of the year and then just, you know, take a little car ride right back down to Fort Lauderdale 
and live in his big house. I will say they treated him well on the out on, yes, on the outside. They found a good team for him. They worked with him. I mean, he was very grateful for the process. They they did exactly what he wanted that way in terms of finding a team, and also uh, they even ate that seven million dollars to make it happen. So they treated him well on on as an outgoing player, and so it would be kind of funny and interesting. If a year later, like they're trying to Tennessee's trying to negotiate with him and they're not doing a very good job with it. And Miami swoops in and is like, you know, hey, <laughs> what do you think? You know, and he's hey, and he's like, think? well, I like I like Miami. You always treated me. You treated me well. Uh-huh. You know, you treated me well on the outside. I didn't want to be part of this ridiculous rebuild that and, and this tank season that that you were. You know, because Miami was going to go through this tank season in 2019, so I don't think Tannehill really wanted to be part of that, just like many other players. Um, so they'd be like, "I understood, I, you know, you what you guys were doing, and I didn't really want to be there for that. But now you guys are in a different spot, and and you guys always treated me well, and I like South Florida, so I'm coming back." If just for the freak out, the freak out of the of, of uh, Dolphin Twitter, oh yeah, it's worth happening. The reactions would be wonderful. <laughs> those reactions, they're going to be insane. I oh, could live boy. off those reactions for a year. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, well, who knows? You know, he might be a Super Bowl champion come this Could off. happen to Laramie Tunsil, too. Did he, he didn't get his contract yet. No, he? he has not. And he well, and, and he's and he's not he's not moving off his mountain where he wants to be the highest paid left tackle. So sure. And so. after the year that we're having at that left tackle position, it's like yeah. So welcome yeah, back, Larry. Mitchell. It is. Absolutely. It is pretty important, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. So yeah, Larry Tunsil, absolutely welcome back. Whenever you yeah, want, we'll come get back, the gang back, back together. What if we got Larry Tunsil and Ryan Tannehill back? <laughs> After trading them for we picks. get the band back together. We get the band back together, <laughs> and let's go At, for it with a new coach. With with the picks, with the fourth round pick and the uh, the the two first and was it two first and two seconds or two first and a second? It was two first and a second. Two first and a second. So yeah, we get the band back together plus two first, a second, and a fourth. Yes, and maybe the Denver Broncos cut Jawan James at that point because <laughs> and we not, pick him up too, and we get and then him we back. sign Kenyon Drake in, in free agency. Oh man. Get the band, just totally get the band back together. And let's go for it. Let's go win the Super Bowl with the old guys. Yeah, that's, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> All right. We've, we, evidently, we've been talking for too long that we're, we're okay. approaching the, the, sus, the, you know, the subject of trying to re-sign everybody we've traded out of here. Yeah, I know. Although, notice but we I, didn't mention Minka Fitzpatrick. No, no. <laughs> and that, that's, that's fine. Like, he's the one that burned the bridge. Yes. Like, so, that, yeah. that one's gone. That's done. But, but, yeah, uh, but our two micro cannot complain. Two two micro points that I wanted to bring up though um, before we finish, mm-hmm. uh, just things to think about. One, uh, we talked about Isaiah Simmons on Clemson before. Um, think about him, like trading up from our, one of our late first round picks, and using Jerome Baker to 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 trade up and go and get Isaiah Simmons with one of those picks to replace Jerome Baker. So that you still have a guy with Jerome Baker's speed, because we've seen how important that, mm. that speed can be. That Stephen Parker interception that you saw this weekend happened because Jerome Baker has such good speed that they could actually use him as they faked the a gap blitz with him, 
and then had him pull out into like a Tampa two middle of field coverage, yeah, which is just like ridiculous. Like you go, you got to be speedy to to do that. You but be Derek he looks to do it. Yeah, he he did. But I mean, the fake the a gap blitz and then do it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that uh, so that's one you need that speed somewhere. And you also pointed out the play where uh, in the fourth quarter on that last drive. We tried to rotate in the coverage. We still pulled out and back into a seven-man coverage, but we tried to rotate the coverage over to have some uh, corner blitzes come in as the third and fourth rushers, and they caught us on it with a little screen, and you know it ended up being a costly play. Well, the guy that prevented that from being a touchdown was Jerome Baker because he had the speed to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the speed is important. Isaiah Simmons has that speed, but he's also a lot more rational for this defense because he's bigger, he's taller, he's stronger. Um, and I think that, you know, maybe he could do the things up front in, in, the, um, in the linebacker unit that Jerome Baker is struggling with. Because overall, he didn't have a great game, but, he's, you know, it was still, his speed was still a useful tool. So think about that. The other thing to think about is the last three games, we've, we've gained 22, 26, and 22 first downs mm. in these games. That's above league, league average. League average is like 21. So we've been above average that, that, that way in the last three games. And the thing that, that I noticed that's coincided with it is the fact that the offense has really come to rely on 12 personnel during those three games, which did not happen before in, in the games before. Mm-hmm. So two tight end personnel, 12 personnel. Um, I'm, I, I know over the first two of those three games, they were the second most 12-oriented team in the league. Only the Philadelphia Eagles had used it more. Um, and then I think in this game, I think they went ridiculous with it in the, against the Jets. I think they used it even more than they had in the, against the Browns and the Eagles. So um, so 12 personnel like going forward is becoming a thing, and it's working for them. So I, I think that's something to keep an eye on, whether that's some sort of revelation um, and, and maybe it affects – what they think going forward because certainly we've seen the resurgence of Mike Gesicki and we've seen, you know, now we're seeing some blocking success and some running success out of 12, per, 12 personnel. They're actually gaining like four yards a carry out of 12 personnel on the ground, which for this offensive line is a friggin', you know, Herculean feat. <laughs> so I, so I just want to make those points because it's something to think about as we go forward. Yeah. That is interesting. Although on the on your first point, uh, I just would I I can't see myself trading assets to upgrade that position, uh, even though you know I love that player. But yeah, not that position for a tackle. Yes, for a quarterback, absolutely for a corner. That's one of the few that Bill Belichick paid though is Dante Hightower because mm-hmm. of his that versatility. Is that is like true. there's very few on that defense that that. Bill Belichick would be like, yeah, we'll go ahead and pay that guy. There's Stephen Gilmore, of course, um, and and Devin McCourty because of his versatility. And then something that like that the versatility that Donta Hightower has really makes that defense go up front. And I think that that's um, that could be something that they could they could pay they could value. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't complain, listeners. You got an extended podcast this week. You got everything pretty much. You even got Tannehill talk. You even, you even got us to start laying out a scenario where we put the entire band back together. Minus Adam Gase, of course. Oh, yeah. Most important part. All right. That's it. There is no more. We will talk to you guys later this week. 
Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.